See, the early Christians, they were on a mission from God to make the name of Jesus known throughout the world. But I started self-reflecting and thinking like, man, the way I use the name of Jesus, I kind of feel like I'm using his name to get the things of the world. This is a story about what happens when one sleepy, scared disciple of Jesus decides to carry the name of Jesus to someone who is an enemy to the name of Jesus. Hey, we're doing something a little bit different today. You're listening to the Following Faith podcast. This is Daniel Asher, and I'm here with our prodigal preacher, Dan hey. Jacobson. Come on now. Come on now. How's it going, Dan? How's, how's being a Nashville pastor going? Hey, stop, stop, <laughs> stop. You're making fun of me because uh, today on the podcast, we're dropping a bonus cut. A couple weeks ago, I had the, the privilege of going down to Nashville your home state, hey, hey. might I add. I got to see the promised land. The promised land. And uh, yeah, there's a church uh, that I've become um, friends with. Uh, they had me come down and preach the word. And I was yeah. really humbled by the invitation. It's a, it's a huge church. It's a multi-site church. It's a church that does things really well. And for me to be able to um, you know, carry the word into the, the, that pulpit was a really like daunting task. Yeah. Uh, I was really humbled by it too. So I thought it'd be fun just to share some of the audio. I'll probably preach the sermon at HP at some point. So when I do, everybody just act you know, <laughs> surprised. Like, well, let me ask the question that I think uh, a lot of us might be wondering. Um, are you or were you interviewing with that church? Come on, man. It's, uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, I got to ask. You're like um, the hard-hitting questions right now. Uh, no is the answer. Everybody's been asking me that. Like, hey, did they offer you a job? And uh, while that's very kind of our people to feel like, uh, hey man, Nashville, Nashville is nice. Nashville is, is nice, uh, and it might be a little too nice, honestly. No, it was uh, it was not a candidating thing. Um, so at their church, they've got a, a team of teachers that have been just going hard at it for a while. Yeah. And their executive pastor said, "Look, we need to um, take a break." So they scheduled seven preachers from pretty that's much crazy. the pretty much yeah. the Midwest. Um, really, really great guys. Aaron Brockett from uh, Traders Point is down there. There's a guy from Fellowship Traders Church. Traders Point's in Indianapolis? In Indianapolis, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a guy from uh, down the street where I used to serve. There's a, a big old church called Community Christian Church. And yeah. He was down there the week after me. Um, honestly, I was the little fish in the big pond, yeah. which was um, great because there was no pressure. Nobody, you know, around here, people know my grandfather. They know uh, some of my legacy that I come out of. Nobody knows down there. Yeah. So just to be able to preach the word and focus on Jesus was... There is something super refreshing thing. about going to, a, I don't know, like leading at a church that you don't normally lead at. I had a great experience. I wanted to share this with our uh, podcast uh, listening audience just as a way to encourage you and maybe give you a preview of what's to come in a couple, couple months here at our campus as well. So I hope you guys enjoy. What's up, Bridge Church? How are we? You guys doing all right? Oh, man, it's true what they say. There's no Sunday like a Bridge Church Sunday. I don't know who says that. I say that now. I mean, that's a new thing. Can I get that painted somewhere in this building? That'd be awesome. Hey, my name is Dan. It's a delight for me to be with you all here. I come from the foreign land of Indiana, uh, outside of Chicagoland, Northwest Indiana. Yo, one of us. Okay, Hoosiers for life. Uh, it's great to be with you today. Uh, and I'm, I, I think you all look amazing, particularly you, Columbia. I'm looking at you. I'm seeing you guys. Hey, all of us in the room right here, can we welcome your church family, the Bridge family in Columbia, worshiping with us, as well as all of those watching wherever you are uh, in your car at the kitchen table online. No, no, come on. Welcome them in. I heard you. This is family, y'all. 
All right, I'm gonna do one more thing because I brought a whole entourage with me today. They're in my own home in Indiana. They're watching online. Can you welcome to the, to the room right now? Uh, my family who are watching online, say hi family. Hey guys. I love COVID, just allows it acceptable for this, you know, the guest preacher's family to be watching from online at home. That's just how it goes. So, hey, my name is Dan. I uh, pastor up in Northwest Indiana, and uh, I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, my family, as long as you're asking. Um, this is who they, who they are. My wife, Kristen, and I have been married almost 11 years, and uh, together we've got three beautiful kids. That's mostly her work, not mine. I promise the little dude's not naked. <laughs> He lost his shirt, and my wife was like, just go with it, it's cute. And so it's what we got, yeah. And Merry Christmas, everybody, who's getting our Christmas card. <laughs> Three kids, um, one of the hardest things in life has been uh, choosing names for my kids. Hardest thing. Took me months. Any parents in the room, like you had kids, and you're like, yeah, it, we, we fought about nothing until we fought about names. Like, he wanted Beatrix, I didn't want that, it was like Harry Potter-ish, and I wanted something, you know. My wife and I, we struggled to have names for our kids because honestly, you have a kid, you're naming this child, you're answering the first question this child is going to ask the rest of their life whenever they meet someone new. Hey, what's your name? And they're gonna say whatever you say. I say it one time, their name is, they say it a million times throughout their life. It's a lot of pressure. I um, spent months thinking about this because I wanted the names of my kids to be aspirational names, names they could grow into, names that would make them stand out amongst a crowd, names that were almost like a prayer. All right, go with me here. Like, like I, I kind of want to name my kids something that like, if, if God, if you would take what this kid's name means and wrap their character around this name and shape them to that, I'd have no complaints. Like, that'd be awesome. So now you want to know what I name my kids, don't you? Because you're like, bro, prove all of your hard work paid off. Um, well, let me just tell you this. Be gracious with me, all right? They're, they're, they're my kids' names, so don't be mad at me, all right? Uh, this is my daughter. She uh, is lovely. Her name is Elin. Okay, yes, that's what most people say when they're like, what? Email? No, Elin. Uh, Elin. I'm a Swedish person. I've never been to Sweden, but I'm one of those people that likes to reclaim their heritage. And so, uh, Elin, I looked it up in, in, in what it means. It means woman of beauty and light. Now, come on, dads. What does every dad want their daughter to feel beautiful and like she lights up a room? And that's my prayer for my beautiful daughter, Elin. She's missing a few teeth, but give it a couple years. Uh, <laughs> then we had uh, our second go around at this. And having gotten all the same blank stares that you guys gave to me just then, thank you for that. Um, we d decided to dial back the uniqueness factor a little bit with our uh, second. We decided just to call him Miles. Miles means soldier. And now I don't know what you think about my physique, but no one's ever accused me of being a soldier. And I thought, man, God, if you would just make my, my son just a little bit stronger than I am, just a little bit more, you know, beat, and, and so far the Lord has. Uh, and, and I want him to be a, a soldier because the Christian life is a life that's a fight. I want him to be strong, to know that he can stand his ground against the enemy, right? And um, by the time our third came around, Kristen and I were so in the weeds of life, so exhausted, we just called this kid Graham. <laughs> Which literally means, I had to look it up. It literally means a gravelly homestead. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm the youngest, he's the youngest, that's how it goes. Any youngest know that, that's true, it's true. You know, it comforts me to know that Je Jesus' name was premeditated by his father too, that God the Father had to choose a name for his son. 
In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Christmas, that moment when uh, Jesus was born. But leading up to that, you know the story. The angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to be pregnant with the Son of God. And, and, and then the angel, you know, makes the decision really easy for her. He says, you shall name the baby Jesus. Like, baby with a name delivered to you. That's incredible. Your name shall be Jesus. Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. And quite literally, that's what the name of Jesus means. The Lord saves. Every time people encounter Jesus and they, they ask what his name was, he would be saying, my name is Jesus. And they would hear, the Lord saves. The Lord saves. The Lord saves. Millions of times, people would hear, the Lord saves. Okay, there's something that low-key bothers me about the way that I use the name of Jesus, though, that, that is really different than it seems like the people in the Bible use the name of Jesus. And here's what I mean. I grew up at a, as, a, as a church kid, like a really good church kid. I knew two rules about the name of Jesus. Number one, it's not a curse word. Number two, if you don't end your prayer with in Jesus' name, Whatever you just asked for is guaranteed not to happen. <laughs> and I tried this out in high school my whole life. God, I know I didn't study for this test, but in your name, let <laughs> me pass. And it never worked. No, see, see, I looked at the Bible. I started reading the Bible. And what I saw in the Bible was that the early Christians, the early followers of Jesus, had this reverence for the name of Jesus. They treated the name of Jesus in a way that totally uh, is countercultural to the way you and I use the name of Jesus. You see, the early Christians, they were on a mission from God to make the name of Jesus known throughout the world. But I started self-reflecting and thinking like, man, the way I use the name of Jesus, I kind of feel like, I'm using his name to get the things of the world. And I had to ask the question myself, brothers, sisters, where have we gone wrong? What has happened in our world that the name of Jesus could mean something so completely powerful and awesome to these people and so different in my own experience? Here's the question today. How should you and I treat the name of Jesus? There's a, a story in the, book, the Bible, a book of Acts, of a man who had two, two names. You can turn there, Acts chapter 9. This guy's name was both Saul and Paul. Depending on who he was talking to, he had a different name. To the Hebrews, he was Saul. To the Greeks, he was Paul. And, and Saul was a Jesus denier. He refused to accept the narrative of the Christians that Jesus had been hung on a cross, had been put into a tomb, and then rose again to new life. He refused to accept it. He hated the name of Jesus. He was on assignment from the religious authorities to actually hunt down people who believed in Jesus' name and arrest them. And oftentimes, Saul endorsed their executions. You can open in your app or in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, and as you're flipping there, I want you to know this. Here in Acts 9, he's on his way to do state-sponsored violence against the Christians in a town called Damascus. And maybe you've heard this story before. You know, bright light comes on his road to Damascus, and Saul falls off his horse. He's blinded, and he hears a voice from heaven saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asks the obvious question, whoa, who are you? Translation, what's your name? And listen to what he said. He said, I am Jesus, the Lord saves, whom you are persecuting. And then Jesus commands him to go wait in Damascus to get further instructions. Now, I don't know how you feel about me saying this, but this is the most like gangster move Jesus could ever pull. <laughs> he's like, enemy number one's on his way to go get his people. And he's just like, blind. It's like something out of the Godfather almost. 
And so he goes, Saul goes. His entourage has to help him along and he waits in Damascus for help. Look with me at what happens next. You can, you can look uh, here at verse 11. In the town of Damascus, there's a man named Ananias. Uh, he's a follower of Jesus. Had Saul been successful in his mission, he would have been coming to Damascus to lock up Ananias and his friends. Jesus shows up to Ananias in a vision, just as similarly to he did Saul. And verse 11 says this, the Lord said to him, rise, go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision, this is so specific, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Put yourself in Ananias' shoes for a moment. Okay, now we'll get uh, verse uh, 13 here uh, as his response. He says this. This is what Ananias says back to Jesus. He goes, um, Lord, I've heard about many about this man, about how much evil he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind on all of those who call on your name. He's like, um, Jesus, don't you know any other Ananiases in Damascus? Because um, I'm more of a, like, keep a low profile kind of Christian in Damascus. I don't like to make raves or ripples here. And plus, this guy, I've heard about Saul, not necessarily on our team. Actually, he's coming with authority from the actual authorities to kill people and bind people who call on your name. And God, that's me. I call on your name. Ananias is, I think, both livid and freaked out. And he says this one phrase here, who, those who call on your name. To call on your name, and, and that's okay, we can go to the next one. To call on your name in the, in the, in the Bible is, is a, a common phrase to really just be anyone who believes in the name of the Lord, who believes that God has the power to deliver them. Here's, uh, look at, it's just some of the ways it's used in the Old Testament. Here's Psalm 18, verse three. The psalmist says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved I'm saved from my enemies. Or, or how about Psalm 116, verse four, it says this. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Or how about this one, Psalm uh, 118, verse five. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. All throughout the Old Testament, there's this trusting, this dependence, this reliance, this, this needness, this, this desperation or distress that brings people to call on the name of the Lord, to, to, to push in and say, I need you, God. Fast forward to the New Testament. In the New Testament, this calling on the name of the Lord is translated into this deliverance, this deliverance of salvation and freedom that the Lord provides. It's found only in Jesus Christ, in his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Now, Bridge Church, I love that Jesus Christ came as a human. I love that he was born as a human, but check this out. Every single person in this room was also born as a human. I love that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, but, but you know people who have died for a cause. What separates the name of Jesus as the greatest name above every other name is that he's done what none of us can do, which is he lived, he died, and he came back to life, church. He rose from the dead to newness of life to show the glory and the power of his name. Yes. 
I guess I'm talking to you, Columbia, because over here in Spring Hill, that didn't really work. I mean, I think, I think we ought to be people who recognize when the early church calls on the name, this is the event that they're talking about. They're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that God makes dead things live. And that's the name. That's the name. This is why in the book of Acts, Peter, one of the first sermons, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says this. He says, there's salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this is why Kanye West sings, you will never be the same when you call on Jesus' name. I'm sorry, I can't, I won't. <laughs> this is what the Christians, the first Christians are saying when they say the name. Not some like hocus pocus abracadabra stuff that we use the name. No, but to say to each other in the name of Jesus is power and authority and might and life. So Jesus seeing Saul had to put him into a little bit of darkness so that Saul could see the authority and the power that the resurrected Jesus actually has. And this is the message that Jesus is trying to get over across to Ananias. And look at what... Jesus' response is to Ananias' hesitation. Look at verse 15. It says this, But the Lord said to him, Go. I love this. You, got, you, got, you guys got kids? They ever, like, talk back to you? You're like, but mom. And you're, what do you say? You go, I don't care. Go. They say it again. You go, it's not up for debate. They say it again, and you're like, go! I imagine Jesus so lovingly telling Ananias, it's not up to you, Ananias. You're going to go, and you're going to like it. Yep. <laughs> My kids always ask me, they go, why? Jesus is so gracious. He, he says, let me give you the why. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. Why don't you just write those words on your arm or you know, get them tattooed later today or put them on you know, a screenshot of your phone or something just where you'll see those words, carry my name, carry my name. Go, because he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Translation, in case you missed it. My name, Ananias, is more important than your fear. My name, Ananias, is more important than whatever authority you think Saul has from the chief priests. My name is going to go beyond the priests in their temple. My name is going to kings in their courtrooms, kings upon their throne, because my name is higher than any other name that is on earth or in heaven or below the earth. My name will rule the day. My name and my power is so great that I'm going to take enemy number one. I'm going to turn him around. I'm going to bring him into the light. I'm going to put my name on him so that his life is a carrying of my name to the ends of the earth. So I know you're worried, Ananias, but go. This is grace. This church is incredible. How many people are glad that God can see beyond our past and show us how to make us productive for him in his future? How many people are so glad that when God sees our past, he also looks forward through the cross and sees our potential? This is what God did with Saul. Man, if ever there was someone who should not have gotten saved, it was Saul. 
Dude killed Christians. Dude is enemy of the church. He, he railed against the name. He committed blasphemy in the name of Jesus. And yet God looks at him and instead of going, he goes, no, carry the most precious thing in the world. It's your job to carry this name. This is what the name does. This past Easter uh, up in my church, up in uh, Northwest Indiana, there's a guy, a friend of mine, who we became close through our church. His name is Jacob. Jacob finally trusted in the fact that the only great plan for his life is to believe in the name of Jesus Christ for the salvation of his soul. And Jacob became a Christian. He took on the name of Jesus. We were reflecting after uh, he, he uh, gave his life to Jesus. And he was telling me, he goes, man, it's kind of crazy to me that I'm actually a Christian because you, if you would have known me in my 20s and my 30s, I was you know, actually making life a living hell for Christians. I used to openly mock Christians. Me and my dad would go troll people online. We would go make things very difficult for Christians in our workplace. But I've realized through the power of God that I was a fool. And there's only one way to live. It's in Jesus' name. A couple of weeks ago, a, a few of us gathered outside of my church and we had a COVID baptism. It's where you go outside and everybody keeps their distance and you dunk one person in one tank. And, and this was Jacob got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I love that smile that's on his face because there's only the name of Jesus can bring someone who was an enemy of the name and turn them around to carry the name. This is what the name does. And you and I are called to carry the name. For just a couple minutes that we have left, I just want to ask the question, well, how are we to carry the name? And I think it's so simple, but actually really profound at the same time. I promise some of these things are going to make you wonder why you flew me down from Chicago to come here, but I hope it'll be worth it. For us who bear the name of Jesus, who are called to carry his name, I think it means a few things for us. The first is this. It's so simple, but also challenging. Those who carry the name of Jesus got to be willing to say the name. Brothers, sisters, we've, this sounds obvious, but I've lived my whole life around the church. I'm sad to think about the ways that I've contributed to loving the church more than I love the name of Jesus. I'm sad to think about how many times I talk about whatever pastor or whatever worship or whatever thing that the church is doing, but I, I don't ever actually tell, it's easy for me to tell people I go to this church. It's hard for me to tell people I believe in this Savior, Jesus Christ. One of my friends lifts a ton of weight he tried to train me once. It didn't work. And he said to me, he goes, rule number one of lifting weights is you don't talk about going to the gym until you've gone to the gym. And as Christians, isn't that a good rule for us to live by? You don't talk about whatever it is about the church until you talk about the name of Jesus. Carry the name. We are called, Saul was called to go forth to kings. And how was he to bring the name to kings unless he carried the name on his lips and spoke the word of Jesus and told them about death coming to life and blindness coming to sight and darkness coming to light. We gotta be willing to say the name. I wonder what moments in your life this week are going to come to you where you got to name drop Jesus. I actually want to call this message name droppers because as I look throughout the whole entire book of Acts, all I see is the apostles dropping the name of Jesus like it's the only name they know. And that's our calling is to drop Jesus' name in conversation. Now, why is that so hard? I've got a lot of ideas, but... My hope is that we pray this week that we would speak up for the name. 
That as Paul's task was to carry the name, we too would say, I am here to say the name. One of the reasons I think it's so, so tough is because I can already see your eyes looking back at me and you're like, bro, I know you're from Chicago, but you don't know me. You don't know my family. Jacob sounds like my brother. Like, I got people who make my life miserable because they know I come to the bridge. I got people who are at work who I invite him here all the time and they're like, man, no, I can't believe you're into that. I can't believe you're so low base for that. I, I know that I'm talking to people who are like, yeah, I get it. Christians got to be able to preach Christ, but uh, you don't know what would happen to me on my job. And that's like how I provide for my family. And if that's you, I got a confession to make because I only read half of the verse that Jesus tells Ananias. I want to I point your attention, attention to verse 16, because I think it's instructive for us in how we, how we carry the name. This is what um, Jesus says, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he will dominate the world for the sake of my name. That's not what your Bible says? All right, here's what it says. For I will show him how much he will be blessed, hashtag blessed, for the sake of my name. Okay, that's not what your Bible says either. Because some of you didn't open your Bible. I was just curious if you even know what it says. I'll tell you. I'll, no more games. Here's what it says. For I will show him how much he must, say it with me, suffer, suffer for the sake of my name. Whew. Dan, put up the pictures of your kids again. We don't want to hear about this. <laughs> and I love that Jesus tells Paul right out the gate of his faith that you're chosen by me to carry my name, to say my name, but it's gonna be hard and you must suffer for the sake of my name. I don't know about you, but if that was me, that'd not be a great sell. I'd be more like Jesus lead with all the employee benefits and the heavenly retirement package, you know? But here's why Jesus tells him that he's gonna suffer. How many people know this? It's because to carry the name means we're gonna have to be willing to stay the course. And if you know that it's coming, you can take it. If you know a storm is coming, you can prep your house. If you know that pain is coming, you can beef up. If you know that there's something painful and hard in your future, you can brace yourself to take it. If you know that it's coming, you can take it. A few years ago, I did a ride along uh, with a local police officer in my community. He was a guy that was in one of our home groups in my church, and we became really good friends, and he was a local law enforcement. And he was always telling me, like, hey, you should get out one night and, and, and come see me patrol. And I was like, Okay, sure, be great. And so we showed up one day just before Christmas. We were patrolling a mall area up by us. And he was like, yeah, these are kind of boring shifts. That's why I kind of asked you to come out here. And, um, and then he handed me a flak jacket. And I was like, uh, what do I need this for? He goes, well, I don't know. I just didn't want you to feel unsafe. And I was like, I'm with you, bro. I feel pretty safe. This thing's armored, right? Like this car that we're in is good. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're okay. And he was showing me all the buttons in his car. Like it was really cool. And, and I was like turning on the siren and everything. I was like a, a kid at Christmas. And um, after introducing me to some of his stuff, he opened up his glove compartment and he said, oh, and by the way, there's your piece. And I was like, my piece of what? <laughs> and he goes, that's your gun. I said, oh, what? I'm a pastor. I don't need a gun. I'm riding along. I'm not shooting along. And my friend, you know, with all the care in his eyes, he was like, look, man, I get it. And just believe me, I've never had to discharge my firearm in the line of duty, but um, I'm not taking you in my car if you don't agree that if stuff goes down, you're not gonna have my back. And I was like, 
And it's not about, you know, firearms. I, I respect firearms and whatnot. But, but at some point I was like, man, I am just here to observe. I don't want to get in the way or be a liability. Well, it was a really calm night until it wasn't. And over the radio came the call, shots fired, all units respond. And my friend pressed the gas and went towards the scene of the crime. And I almost peed my pants. <laughs> I was sitting there, it's like trying to hide my nerves. My, my legs were shaking and I was thinking like, I'm gonna have to use this gun. I'm gonna have to use this gun. I'm gonna have to use this gun. I should call my wife. I should call a lawyer. I don't know what I should do right now. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I don't wanna be here. This got too hot. I want out. Yeah. Now, let me take, take the air out of the room for a second. It was a false alarm. Nothing happened. But it didn't change the point that I knew getting into the car would mean that I would be probably f- sacrificing some of my safety but it was a sacrifice I was willing to make to gain some empathy and some sympathy for one of my friends who's on the front lines of law enforcement on a daily basis. And here's the thing, I thought I was gonna be sacrificing a little bit of safety, but I was totally duped when it was all gone. Christians, listen to me. Why do we act surprised when we get sucker punched by people who don't respect the name of Jesus when we carry the name to them? At some point in our lives, Christians, we gotta learn that to take the name of Jesus does not mean to be safe in this world. It means possibly to suffer for the name of Jesus. Okay, Bridge Church, I mean, y'all know this. We follow a leader who was beaten, mocked, killed, flogged, hung up to die, but he has power because they did all those things to him and he came back to life and we own the name, we carry the name, we have to stay the course for the name. You may need to stay in the batter's box of life and take some heat from time to time, but you can take it if you know it's coming. And I love that this is what Jesus tells Saul. He says, look, it's coming. This is what Peter told the church that was being persecuted in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 16. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, which is one of the only times in the, the New Testament the word Christian even appears. If you suffer as someone who identifies as a Christian, that's your identity, that's your name. If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Brothers, sisters, this is how we carry the name. This is the caution to Paul. Paul, you got heat coming no matter what. Stay the course for the sake of my name. And the rest of the book of Acts is literally a fulfillment of this promise. Saul starts to preach. Just a couple of verses later, people try to kill him. He has to flee. And it starts him going around the world, moving from town to town, carrying the name of Jesus and trips that resulted in him being robbed, being stoned and left for dead, uh, surviving a shipwreck only to get safely to shore so a snake would bite him. He was stripped naked, went days without food, spent time in rat-infested dungeons, and yet he carried the name, and look what God did. Stay the course. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I just feel compelled to tell you, life has been hot for you. You felt the heat of being a Christian. You came to Christ knowing all of his benefits, but at the same time, it's cost you something, and you don't know what to do about it. And I'm just here in front of you to tell you this, Stay the course, carry the name, stay in the batter's box. Like Peter said, don't be ashamed in that name. Some of you may have um, cost you some business once people found out that you were a Christian. 
Some of you, it might've cost you some dates with some guys once they found out that you call yourself a Christian, but no matter. Peter says, um, don't be ashamed. What does that mean? It means stand up. It means put your shoulders back. It means stand your ground and stay the course for the sake of the name. It is worth it. And so when you know suffering is coming, not only can you prepare yourself for it, but you can also trust that God's got a purpose in it. You know, as long as the Bible tells me that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, I know that he has a purpose in the pain. That's why I'm here to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to stay the course, because when we say the name and when we stay the course, it's us who have the privilege then to see the power of the name of God working out in this life right around us. This all reminds me of what um, Josh Howerton said two weeks ago. I tune in, it's fine. (laughs) He said this, he said, between God's promise and his payoff, there's always a process. You guys did so much better than the first service. (laughs) It's always a process. And I'm here to tell you this, uh, between God's purpose for your life and his power to get that purpose accomplished is often pain. If you don't believe me, read your Bibles. This is the storyline of the Christian faith. Whenever God wants to get a hold of a man or a woman's life to make them do great things for his name, first he takes them and he crushes them. Okay, Abraham had to give up everything. Moses had to go work for his father-in-law. Jacob had to wrestle God. The next time we find Paul speaking to Jesus in the New Testament is in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, where Jesus talks to Paul and he tells him this. He says, I missed it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. It says, for my grace is sufficient for you. This is what Jesus says to him. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Hey, are you weak right now? Then you're ready. The world today doesn't need superheroes who are self-sufficient and self-reliant. People who don't need power get no power. But those who can say the name and put themselves in situations where it take a risk and it costs them something and they need the power of God to show up, those are the ones to whom the power is available. The world needs humble men and women who can admit their deficiencies and call in the name of Jesus and point others to his strength. I love that Saul rolled into Damascus with an entourage, with some warrants, with some military power, but he left Damascus as a fugitive runaway traitor. At least that's how the Jews saw them. Humanly speaking, he was weak, but in his weakness, what did God do? God changed the world. This is what it means to carry the name. I think it's all so simple for us, but it's all so hard. For us to carry the name means you gotta, you gotta say the name of Jesus. For us to carry the name means we gotta stay the course when times are tough. For us to carry the name means we have the privilege to actually watch God's power be dispensed in this world. Brothers and sisters, I've been spending time here helping you see how Saul was gonna do this, but I wanna let you know this. You ain't Saul. I'm not Saul. None of us here are Saul. Just say it to the person next to you, I'm not Saul. You're not Saul. Columbia, you're not Saul. I know I told you that Acts chapter nine is a story of Saul, but actually this is a different story. This is a story of someone smaller, someone weaker, someone a little bit more insignificant. 
It's the story of Ananias. Jesus told Ananias to go to Saul, who was going to carry his name by saying his name and staying the course and seeing God's power. But Jesus told Ananias, first, you go. You go, not all the way around the world. You go down the street. Did you notice that Jesus gave Ananias turn by turn ways like directions? Go to the street called Straight, turn right. Find Judas's house. Inside, you'll find Saul. He's waiting for you. You've arrived at your destination. This is a story about what happens when one sleepy, scared disciple of Jesus decides to carry the name of Jesus to someone who is an enemy to the name of Jesus. And he watches God's power. And I've got to ask Ananias someday when we get to heaven, how cool is it to watch Saul go all over the world knowing that you were the one that brought the name of Jesus to him and then he took the name of Jesus to everybody else. Brothers, sisters, this is not a story. This is not a call for us to go to the ends of the earth to bring Jesus' name. This is a call for us just to recognize that in that Zoom box, the person right below you that you hate seeing every day because you hate Zoom, that person is someone you need to bring the name to. As you sit on your bench, uh, your sports team, and you look down the bench, that person at the end of the bench, that's the person that needs you to carry the name of Jesus to them. As you walk across the hallway of your offices or in your, uh, your doctor's rooms or wherever you are, the, the people that God has called you, wherever you are in your own hometown, this is where you carry the name. We are called to do this as Ananias. I'm out of, I'm out of time here, but I wanted to share you one story. I'm grateful for this. It was 1945. A young teenager named Warren uh, was a good kid, and he heard that a traveling evangelist was going to be coming to his town in Northwest Indiana, close to where I live today. He decided he was going to go because everybody was excited to hear the preacher who was coming. There were like big advertisements all over the town saying the name of this very famous preacher, and hundreds of kids were going to be there. He wanted to see it for himself. So into the auditorium of Washington High School that night walked a young man by the name of Billy Graham. And you might think that's awesome, but everybody in this day thought, who the heck is this? Because the name on the posters was a guy named Tory Johnson. Tory Johnson was the guy who was supposed to be there that night, but he decided to sit this one out, and he instead sent this young preacher named Billy Graham to go preach for himself. Billy Graham preached the word of God. He said the name of Jesus. He carried the name. After this meeting, a bunch of pastors came up to Billy Graham. They pushed him out the door and kicked him out of town for the way that he carried the name of Jesus. That's hard for us to believe, but, but it's what happened. Billy suffered for the sake of the name. Later in some of his memoirs, Billy Graham would, would say this. He'd say that that night, May 12th, 1945, in Washington High School, in East Chicago, Indiana, might have been the worst message I've ever given. Except for that young kid named Warren standing in the back, passing out bulletins, heard the name of Jesus, and it cut to his heart. And he gave his life to the name of Jesus. And he said, God, I wanna preach. I wanna preach your name to whomever I run across. Billy Graham obviously went on to preach to millions of people and Warren grew up and he himself went on to preach to hundreds of thousands of people. But more than that, Warren had a daughter. Her name was Carolyn. And Warren passed the name to Carolyn, preached the word of God, showed her what it means to follow Jesus, to say his name, to stay the course, to see God's power. And she took it for herself and decided with my life, I wanna share the name of Jesus. 
so she got married to a man named Dave Jacobson. Do you see where this is going? Together, they had a couple kids. One of them, the youngest, they named Dan. And they together carried the name to me. And I believed in the name of Jesus. And it brought me out of my rebellious past and into a grace that I've never known before to understand the power of the name. And y'all, here I am talking to you, carrying the name to you. But more than that, I've got some kids and I want nothing in my life more than for my kids to know the name of Jesus, to know the power of the gospel, to know his resurrection life for theirs, to know that he has the answer to all things life and in heaven and on earth, that he is their only hope in life and death, that he is the only way, he is the only name for them to live. Now I want over my kids this name of Jesus so much so that I gave my third son the name Graham, Warren, Jacobson, not because it means some gravelly homestead, but because it shows me the Ananias-like figures who passed along the name of Jesus all the way throughout the centuries and generations to me and this prayer that I have for my kids that they would go forward and carry the name to. Brothers and sisters, let us not be Christians who hide behind the name. Let's go carry the name, not across the world, just wherever you are, in your own home, as Ananias did down the block around the corner. We are to carry the name. If I was editing this, this is where I'd cut the stream and then I'd just talk to you. Because Bridge Church, I've been um, so blessed by you. Uh, you can't even imagine how encouraged I've been sitting up in Valparaiso, Indiana, where I live. Week after week, I tune in and I hear messages my soul needs. I know it's been a difficult season for the bridge without someone's name at the top of the organization, but y'all got a name at the top of the organization. His name is Jesus. And brothers and sisters, if ever there was a church in the world who was acting like Ananias, it's you. So I came today from Chicago to preach to the choir. I came today to tell you, don't stop, stay the course. You might take some heat. You might make mistakes. You might get it wrong, but Jesus has the power and the authority. And as you say his name, and as you stay the course, he will unleash his power among this place and in your lives in a way that the world only dreams from. And I'm watching from Northwest Indiana, just cheering you on saying, I love you. I love what God's doing in you. You're encouraging me because you're following the name of Jesus. So Bridge. Keep going, stay the course.